Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here and once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are hanging out with Roland Benson. Roland started Benson Design in 1985, and for the last 35 years, he's worked with thousands of small business owners and entrepreneurs. When he started his business, he was going after brands like USAA, Cat Holt, and Pace. And at the time, he could not compete, so he started looking around for smaller companies that had money, but no one was calling on them. He currently serves over 30 active clients and has, uh, as I mentioned, worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs at any one time. Roland, welcome to the program. Great, great to be here. I appreciate it. I'm excited. So I don't know if you uh, if you hold the record right now for the most years in business uh, with an active agency that I have interviewed on this show. I think I mentioned this in the pre-interview. Uh, yes. I think that you're in the, maybe at least in the top three, right? 35 years in business, I think is, is something to be uh, commended that you've been able to ride the ups and downs, the changes in this industry for for that many years. Can you paint us a picture of what Benson Design is today? Like how many people do you guys have on your team? Uh, what's typical client look like? All that good stuff. Yeah, so you mentioned earlier that we, uh, instead of going after some of the bigger clients in our area, USA dominates, they have uh, 30,000 employees. We have Cat Holt and a lot of companies like that. But when I started, I was one man, so I couldn't really go out and call on them because I couldn't handle the workload that they would give me. So I started looking around, I saw these small companies, industrial mom pop businesses, and they were, some of them were, you know, doing two or three, four or five million dollars a year, and no one was calling on them because it wasn't the prestige at the time to call on them. So I started calling on them. I've taken some of our clients, some of those small clients have now become our very biggest clients. And, you know, like one great story is, my kids are all gone now, but when my oldest son was in the truck with me, we were driving home and there was a company we built called Ranchan and they built these big industrial bumpers for the front of trucks and stuff. And on the way home, he saw one and he said, Hey dad, uh, isn't that the guy that bought our house? Cause I always taught him, I says, as we work with clients and build clients and they pay us that we get to buy stuff. And so <laughs> at the time he was by far our largest client. And so he bought our dream house for us. And so that was the thing. They said, Hey dad, I need this. Can you get a new client so we can buy something? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I want to give my son uh, that level of influence. He has a a pretty large appetite for Legos. So exactly. Exactly. So today we have uh, uh, six people. What we've done is I read a book years ago by it was pixel works and, and Steve jobs. And they talked about, how they would bring people in for each project. So instead of going out and having everybody in your team work on every project, if you had a different project, you'd bring different people. And so we have a really high-end database guy that we bring in. We bring copywriters in, photographers. We bring designers in, illustrators, depending on what we need at the time. And then I don't have a, like the database guy, we keep busy pretty much all the time, but I'd have to pay him, you know, maybe 200,000 a year. And this way, I just bring him in on a project and then he's gone. And since I've been in business 35 years, I've gone through lots of ups and downs, like you mentioned, uh, 9-11, recessions, uh, lawsuits, you know, all those different things that happen to business owners, losing big clients. And so instead of going, oh, no, now what do I do when my 36 employees or something, 
I'm able to rest assured and keep, keep growing and keep building, but just bring those freelancers in. And, and some of those freelancers worked with us for 20 years. So uh, we have a real good relationship with them and they'll drop what they're doing to come in and be with us. It sounds like you run a lean operation, both out of necessity, but also out of like from lessons learned, maybe some painful lessons. How, how, how big over the years? I mean, have you ever been a bigger agency in terms of full-time staff? No, I've always built it this way. I've always built it with outside people and brought people in. Uh, we've worked on some huge jobs for like the Denver airport. And I just brought in, you know, five or six people and they all jumped in and worked. And then when it was over, they were gone and we just go after the next one. This is kind of how I wanted my lifestyle to be. It's not so under pressure all the time and having to feed a big machine. You mentioned having to weather a few storms along the way. I mean, just in thinking about, I mean, yes, 9-11, I mean, there's some other new, some other notable events like, uh, I mean, the dot com like boom and bust. Uh, you know, multiple uh, recessions, complete changes in technology. Just thinking about like what was, you know, what were design marketing firms in 1985 versus what are they in 2020? Right. Uh, I mean, it's it's totally different. Um, I mean, you've gone through several level layers of this uh, type of change, but I want to I want to zero in on some of those externality changes that I hear a lot of people talk about why business is not going well for them around like 9-11, you mentioned lawsuits, recession. How have you dealt with those things? And, and why do you think you've been able to weather through some of those types of external events and many other businesses, let alone agencies, have not been able to? Yes. And so when I started my business in 1985, that was during a recession. I didn't know any better. And one of my, a guy I met at church, I said, he said, what do you do? And I said, oh, well, I, guess, I think I'm a graphic designer. I'm just, you know, that's my business right now. And he goes, oh, I just got laid off from a big agency and they're going to, they'll probably in three months, they'll be out of business. And people were laying off people left and right. And so I just started building my freelance space. And then I just started going out and calling on those, the agency would close. And I start looking around and go, well, they were servicing these people. They still have to have some work done. They probably just can't afford the big prices. So I went in and started working there and then I'd build them back up. And then when the economy came back up, then they would be a client. But really my, the things that played the biggest role were my vendors, having really good vendors that will, you know, that, that aren't growing so fast that they're so far out there. And they have so much money out that they're not going to be open the next day you come to pick up your print job. At the time, it was print jobs. And then this, I do a ton of networking and I have clients have been with me for 20 years. They might have started three or four different companies or they might own five companies and they do all their work through us. But by over-serving them, I just read the book uh, uh, from the Ritz-Carlton. I can't remember the exact title, but that's what they talk about. Do what your clients expect and then double it. So if a client's happy with you, they're not out looking when someone's knocking on their door and going, Hey, we're a new agency. We're young, hip, and we got all this stuff. They're going, no, these guys have done well and they've grown us to a certain amount. And then I used, I used all those stories. I sell with stories. And so I said, you know, we took a guy, I took a company in eight years from zero money and he sold for 89 million. And then the, the people we're talking to, they go, that's what we want. What do we do? And my biggest marketing piece, believe it or not, is my business card. So I have a 3D business card that folds up. It's really interesting. And I've had it for 15 years. Ever, and since that day that I made my business card, I've never had to show my portfolio. Now, of course, people have seen stuff online. But I show that at mixers and I show that at different business meetings that I go out to. And people stop and they go, holy cow, look how I can't believe you came up with this. And they pull Ted and Jim and, and Mary over to look at it. 
And then we, you know, they cost about a dollar twenty to do, but they're the best marketing piece. And I just hand them out like as many as I can get into people's hands. We just had a lady call us last week that had one sitting on her desk for a year. And she said, now I'm ready. You guys talked to me a year ago. And I said, I, I think so. And she says, yeah, I got your business card right here. It's the stand-up one. And I said, okay, yeah. So she remembered us for a year just because of our card. You mentioned a couple of times on this episode so far about, you know, quote unquote, calling on people, networking. I'm getting the impression that you get out there in your community, in your local area or in your industry. Uh, what's typically your strategy about how you do that to meet these folks and, and have opportunities to present uh, your what sounds like pretty cool, uh, your 3D business card, which we might need to get a, a photo of for the show notes to so people because I'm sure that's like. Just some of our listeners are like a business card, huh? Right? Like, is that, yeah. that's really it, right? So, uh, but that's cool, right? I mean, like, whatever, like if it works, like keep doing it, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, what do you, how do you decide, like, what do you, what to go out there and get, get involved in and what events to go to and how to make that work? Sure. Well, if I can step back just a little bit, I hadn't always been that way. I grew up with lots of learning disabilities. I was scared of my own shadow half the time. And then I had a business coach that came in and she said, I want you to start reach. I used to buy stuff and I wouldn't return it. I'd keep it in the closet. <laughs> and I, I, even if it was, even if it broke and it was their fault, I just couldn't do it. And so she said, I, before you return something, let's get you trained. So she said, pick the biggest mall in your area. So there's a place called North star mall here in San Antonio. So I went to North star mall and she said, okay, for a week, I want you to walk it every night and say hi to everybody that you see. So I started saying hi to everybody. And then she said, now, remember, don't stop and talk to anybody because you're too scared to talk to anybody. So you don't have to tell me twice. Then the next week, she said, I want you to go back and ask what time it is. So I say, what time is this? 10, 11. What time is this? 10, 12. It's 10, 15. It's 10, 20. Uh, so I had to do that for a week. And then she said, now I want you to go back the next week and start talking to people. And by that time, you know, I, I, it was old hat. And so I started talking to everybody. So I've set my goal in life to talk to everybody on, on earth. So I go out of my way to talk to everybody. So now when I go to a mixer or now when I go into an organization, I just walk in and start talking to everybody. And I find reasons to talk to them. Like beards are a big thing now. So if I see someone with a cool beard, I say, hey, man, that's an awesome beard. I have a beard, but it's not great. And I said, how did you grow that? Or I, I love your shoes. Or, or, hey, I've heard your name before. And it just opens so many doors. And so what I do is I just, there's in San Antonio, there's 13 Chamber of Commerces alone. And then organizations like on Meetup, there's thousands of them. I mean, you can go to a luncheon or a breakfast every day, and then sometimes a dinner every day if you wanted to. So I just start going to them. Most everyone are free at first, and I go and I see if it's a match. If it's a match, then I stick and I talk and I work with them. But I don't just do it online. I do it, I mean, offline, I do it online also. So what I'll do is once I meet someone, instead of saying, oh, we'll see you next month at the, the next mixer or the next week, I'll, I will say, hey, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, hit you up on LinkedIn. I'd like to continue our conversation. Then I write on the back of their business card things they're interested in, and not just business, but golf, horse riding, their kids in soccer. And then I'll hit them up and say, hey, you know, I, I saw this article on golf, or hey, it was great seeing you, and just keep that conversation alive. And then I post constantly on LinkedIn and just to stay in front of them. Because a lot of times we meet someone, but then we'll go back and say, hey, didn't we meet you about four months ago? I think we did instead of being in front of them all the time. And then when you go back to that mixer and you see Ted again and Ted goes, Hey, thanks for that article. Or man, that thing you posted last week was really cool. And then you keep that conversation going. But again, it's getting out behind your computer and getting out in your comfort zone. And then I coach a lot of uh, younger people 
And a lot of them just want to do everything online. Can I just email it? Can I just text them? And I said, you can, but it's not going to get you, you know, real far. <laughs> I love that that advice, you know. One of the uh kind of entrepreneurial visionaries I follow is a guy named Steve Blank and he says uh you know, you got to get out of the building, right? You have to get yes. out there and talk to customers, talk to prospects, talk to people in your market and and all that kind of stuff. And I don't I don't think that um I think everybody can do that more. I don't think I've it's it's like a really rare person where it's like, wow, they're out and about and they're like meeting so many people and getting so many opportunities. They don't actually have time to fulfill on that work. Like, I mean, I know I've met them. I've probably been that person at, at times, but I think a lot of people could flex that muscle a little bit, a little bit more about getting out there. Yes. And it is very important, especially if you, if you're a B2B business and uh, you're in a local community and you want to grow up, like, I mean, a lot of people say, I need clients. I say, how many clients do you need? And they say, well, I need as many as I can get. So I said, if I can bring you 5,000 clients, they say, oh, I can't handle that. And I said, most people, you don't need that many clients. You just need good clients. You need to get rid of your bad clients. And that's what I've been talking about with some of my our personal clients and other clients is sometimes you just got to fire clients and move it to a bigger client, a better client. And so if you had like 30 monthly clients that were, you know, 50,000 each or whatever, then you don't need to have a hundred clients running around because you'll just go insane. You mentioned some really good, uh, both, uh, coaching techniques about going out there and kind of practicing talking to people, which I think your, your business coach, uh, is, is spot on of having somebody, having you actually just do learn by doing. You also mentioned several different conversation starters, ways that you start a conversation with people. Did those things come from just practice, just getting out there and just starting those conversations, starting with basic, like what time is it type stuff, uh, and then learning kind of what worked for you? Or was there any kind of method or book or inspiration that you've used to kind of learn how to start small talk conversations with people? Yeah. So I grew up very dyslexic. And so when I was nine years old, my training started to be a graphic designer or an advertising agency. I, uh, my dad had a big construction company. He would come home in the evenings and, um, it was my job to answer the phone at the house because back in the seventies, you didn't have answering machines, believe it or not. You didn't even have, all you had was one phone in your house. You know, no one even thought of anything else. No fax machines, no anything. I remember getting the first fax machine in my business. I wanted to find that guy and kiss him. I was so excited that I didn't have to drive across town every time I wanted to show a client something. But so people would call and I say, Hey, this is, this is Mr. Forrest. I've got to get a message to your dad. And I said, well, he's not here. And he said, I said, can you take a message for me? And I go, I can't even spell my own name. Uh, you know, in my head, I was saying that. So I started doing illustrations and I started laying out storyboards. And so every time someone would call, I'd do a storyboard. And then my dad would come home and he'd say, hey, who called? And I'd go through the storyboards with him. And so I had to become very visual in everything I did to survive in school and stuff because I was a person from the government come to our house and say, hey, we want to take your son away and teach him how to sharpen lawnmower blades so he can support a family someday. And so just to get through life, I became very observant. So once I got out into the networking world and I wasn't scared to talk to everybody, I just started looking at stuff. And you can tell what some, when someone takes pride in something. So when I park my car in the parking lot, if I'm walking in, I see someone that has a new Corvette. Or I see some, a lot of people have, you know, uh, big trucks or someone's really polished their cowboy boots and they have a hat. Then I just take those opportunities and notice that and just compliment them on that. And it just takes their guard down. They're more willing to talk to you. And then you go up and you start saying, you know, this is my first time here. 
at the uh, at this at this mixer. Can you uh, tell me a little about it, or can you introduce me around? Or if you're going to a luncheon, it's the first time the girls sitting at that desk in the front there, or they know everybody, everything. And I say, hey, this is my first time. You know, can you introduce me to someone that can kind of show me around? And they'll take me to the top guy usually and say, hey, this is the president of the chain of the uh, organization. And uh, hey, this is Roland. This is his first time here. He'd like to meet some people. What do you do, Roland? Okay, yeah, let me take you over here and meet with Bill. And then you just start working the crowd. You just have to ask because everybody, most people are fairly nice. You know, they don't, they're not out to get you or anything. That's what I thought they were at first. But um, once you break that and then you have people's name and say, oh, yeah, I was just talking to Bill over there. Oh, yeah, Bill, I know Bill forever. And then you just kind of open that conversation up. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that is fast to set up and delivers my clients' websites with the speed the internet demands. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme set up valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. I think it's interesting to hear about your dyslexia and how that was something that originally started as maybe a challenge or a disadvantage yeah. that it eventually kind of became this superpower for you in a way, right? Yes. Uh, and, I've, and I've heard that about dyslexia in particular. No, I, I don't have that. I can't act for a second that I even know how hard that would be. But I've, I've talked to several other entrepreneurs that have been in that situation and or have that uh, learning disability, and they tell me stories about how when they were younger, and you know, teachers would call on them and and you know, ask them to like read or ask them questions about the reading or things like that, and that they kind of had to develop like a little bit of like all these workarounds where like, you know everybody else thought that they were like less smart, but in reality they were working like five times as hard um, as everybody else, which ended up in some cases, right? I think um, benefiting them greatly later on. Like they could think on their feet better. They could kind of like uh, communicate through different methods. They could kind of uh, pick up more meaning through something with with less actual like reading of it. You know, so is that something that you've you've kind of found as you've grown older that this thing that was maybe not such a great thing when you're younger has turned into a really big, you know, life benefit? Oh, yeah. When I was young, I hated and if I was broken, I thought God hated me. I thought, can't believe this is my going to be my life because no one knew what it was. And then my parents were very supportive, loving mom that just bent over backwards for me. But they got so into it that they would take me and I had to wear a patch on one eye all during school during junior high because they thought it'd make my other eye stronger. I had to do creeping and crawling. I went to one school that wanted to teach me Spanish so I could, it was an easier language to read in. I'm <laughs> going, I don't even know anybody that's, uh, anybody that's Hispanic. I mean, I don't know what I give that'll do. So I went through all kinds of crazy things. But when I got older and, and it's, and someday I'll tell you, I can tell you the story about how I became a, how I became in the advertising business, but everything kind of fell into place. And one of the things that really showed up, I started doing litigation graphics for what big lawsuits. So we had some massive lawsuits here, like $300 million lawsuit. And one of our clients got sued and he said, you know, he said, I have this great graphic designer. Why don't we, and marketer, why don't we have him market us in the, in the courtroom? And so I would go in and start doing these graphics and the, and the attorneys would come and they're billing like $500 an hour. And there are four of them that come in and say, okay, we need to prove this. And it's usually a patent infringement. We need to prove this, this, and this. And I said, okay, great. How long do I have? And they said, you have 15 minutes. 
So I was able just to go into my head and all those storyboards I did for my dad, I was just able to visualize everything and then put it on paper and show them. They said, great, make a graphic out of that. And we got to get it up right now. And so it just, it, I was able to just do that fast as possible. And now when I'm in a meeting with a client, I know exactly what they, what I need to do, how it's going to look, how it's going to flow before they even walk out of the office. Sometimes I have it done in 15 minutes and I just hold on to it for a week so that I can bill them some money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's become very good that way. And, and, and forever I thought I, it was the worst thing in the world, but now, and I had to get that mindset and I know people talk about mindset, but I look at me and Richard Branson, Richard Branson's dyslexic, but he's worth what a hundred billion dollars or what crazy number, $30 billion. But he saw dyslexia right away as, hey, I just need to let other people do my work for me. I saw dyslexia as, I'm broken, I can't do anything. As soon as I got the mindset saying, no, that's not true, then I was able to open it up and um, changed everything, my whole life, uh, my family's life, the money that I make every. And now I tell clients, he's, I used to hide it from my clients. I wouldn't tell them anything. I'd actually... When my when I take notes on the phone, my wife would sit behind me and listen. She'd write the notes, and they would think I was writing the notes. Uh, and then I take I sneak tape recorders, and I'd be wired up like the FBI. I'd be taking uh, recording all of my meetings and stuff, even if I wasn't supposed to. But now I just tell them, "Hey, I'm dyslexic, so I'm going to need some help working through some of this stuff." And I have my iPad now that with uh, with Evernotes that'll or uh, note I can't remember the name right now. Notability. Um, yeah, notability, that's it. And it records and I can draw on it. So I just illustrate the whole meeting out and then I can listen to it when I get back. But I still use illustration. I do a lot of speaking. And so when I speak, all my notes are illustrations. So I can just look down in a second, know where exactly where I'm at. I think that's, that's so fascinating. I, I mean, whether it's dyslexia or some other thing, right? I mean, I think most of our listeners probably can relate that everybody kind of has that thing, that thing that they think is a weakness, something that they think is really a negative about who they are or how they work or, I mean, even things like, and this is going to be a completely different type of thing, but like a lot of people that work from home or a virtual office type of thing, or uh, I've got a friend who runs his agency uh, in South America and he, you know, even just that little thing, you know, he thought was like a really big disadvantage to, you know, he's like, oh man, my clients are going to find out that I'm based here. And I'm like, well, Okay. <laughs> like, so what, like, what do they really care about? Right. You're like, you're on a meeting with me right now. Right. I mean, I just find that we all have these things, yeah. uh, maybe not as, as severe of, of, as a disability that you had growing up, but I mean, other people probably have even crazier and, and more severe oh, dis- disabilities. Yeah. And, and I, I love to hear that you've, your mindset has not only been able to kind of like, you know, not even overcome it, but like, kind of live in harmony with it and let a, and also even like leverage it and kind of own it, right? Owning, owning that thing versus kind of letting it own you. I think it's just such a great example of this. Yeah. And, and by opening up and letting people know that if it's dyslexic and if it's you stutter, if it's, you can't see well, whatever it is, just by opening it up. First, I thought it was a weakness and everybody would fire me. In fact, I went to the attorneys, one of my business coaches said, you have to tell the attorneys you're uh, dyslexic. And I hid it for so long from him. So I went to my attorneys. I said, they're going to fire me. I just know they're going to fire me. I mean, we're talking Aiken Gump, which is a multi-billion dollar a loss, a law firm. And I said, hey, uh, I need to tell you something. I'm dyslexic. So I'm going to have to, you know, I need some little bit more help on stuff. He said, we thought something was wrong with you. You kept spelling everything wrong. Why didn't you tell us? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you told we would have helped you. We would be glad to help you. And I'm sitting there going, holy cow, what an idiot I am. <laughs> 
So one of the things, you know, I, I kind of brought this up earlier of just kind of how long you've been in business. You've, you've kind of rolled through some storms and stuff. I also want to talk about how you've evolved with the with technology, with platforms, and, and even just like the ideology behind like marketing and advertising and design, I think has changed so dramatically. I mean, some things have changed dramatically. I'm sure some core principles and stuff have remained somewhat same. Sure. What what are some of the things that you can look back on now with this, you know, 35-year lens of like, hey, this is this is how we've been able to stay around even though this industry has evolved greatly during that same period of time. Yeah, so a lot of it's just really watching the industry and then watching what your clients cuz clients will start bringing stuff up they hear, you know. So we were on paper and pen, you know, I had a repetigraph pen, drew everything, did color separations, printed on a two-color press for four-color jobs. Stuff you'd never even think of doing today, and then we got our first SC30 uh, Macintosh, and then uh, then bigger and bigger computers, and more and more. And then the client came to us and said, "I heard about this website thing." And they said, "I said, well, let me look into it." And then we did a first website. And then another person said, "I want to get on social media." And then we looked into that, and we got people on social media. And uh, I just really sit down and make a cut because sometimes clients will come and say, I got to get on these five platforms. And so we sit down and say, what's your goal? So that's my biggest thing. I sit down with the client and say, what's our goal? So we had a client come into us probably 10 years ago now, but he said in eight years, I'm selling my company for $18 million, no matter what. And if you're going to market me and be my agency, my goal is 18 million in eight years. And he said, everything that you do is to sell in, in eight years. I'm not leaving my kids, not doing everything. So we would sit down all the time and we would look at new technology and see if it was a match for his business. And we'd look for, even if it, maybe it was old stuff that we had to do different, you know, different, uh, bring in some older uh, ideas, brochures and stuff. And so we helped him grow to 350 employees and he sold for 89 million. And that was all about sitting down all the time. So with our clients, we have a weekly call with every one of our clients that we're working on an active project with to make sure that we're on point and nothing's changed because things can change all the time. And we got to say, okay, if something's changed in your business, you got new technology, let's not put a website up with the old stuff on. What can we do? How can we tie it in? So it's really staying with the what the client needs and and what's going to grow them. Because like if you're opening a, a, a selling a mattress, you're going to have clowns and balloons and stuff. But you're selling a Mercedes, you're going to have black, a red carpet, you're going to have that. So you got to really set it up for your client. And so many times people say, oh, well, I got to be on Facebook, I got to be on this, and they try to stuff it in. Like there for a while, we had all these, we do a lot of work with manufacturers and they'd come in. I got to be on Facebook and I'm going, how many guys are on Facebook that are buying $80,000, uh, you know, lays? This is, uh, I don't think anybody, but everybody's on Facebook. I got to be, no, you don't need to. Let's go on LinkedIn or let's go into an industrial uh, chat room. Let's talk to them. Let's go to that kind of stuff. Let's not waste our time on Facebook just because everybody's on it. doesn't mean you got to be on it. If you want to be on it for your grandkids, you know, do that at night, but. So it's really setting the goals with the client and finding the technology that works for them. You mentioned that you meet with your clients every week. Yes, on what, phone. Okay. So what does that yeah. uh, what what does that look like? So we set when we sit down to start a uh, website, uh, we'll set goals with them, and they're responsible for certain things. They have to get us certain things. We have certain things. So then we just every we spend fifteen minutes maybe on the phone with them and say, okay. We all, we promised to do this. Here's what we delivered. You promised to do that. Oh, your wife had a baby. You couldn't do it. Okay, so we need to move it a week. Or you got us more than you said, so we're going to be able to do it better. And then what it does a lot is it cuts down frustration from the client. Because sometimes the client, when you work on a website, it might take three months to put a website up or longer. 
uh, if they're big websites. And so sometimes their boss will call them, why isn't our website up? I don't know, let me call Benson Design. And they're yelling at you, why isn't my website up? And said, remember, we talked about it a month ago, we're going to do this. Oh, I didn't remember that. So now when we have the weekly calls, then their boss yells at them. They're going, hey, I just talked to Benson yesterday and we're here. Oh, okay, thanks. Because it's basically they just want to know where you're at and what's going on. So it's, it's helped us from getting a lot of clients to get upset because something takes so long to them being on your side and, and being the champion for who you are. And then when you do those 15-minute calls, a lot of times they'll say, hey, I know you're working on our website, but uh, Bob from sales needs this new trade show booth. And can you help us out on that? And before they might've forgot about us and called someone else or Bob, the other guy in sales might've called his friend over at another place. And so that keeps you in front of them all the time also. That's awesome. I love, I'm a big fan of advocating for our clients to uh, do weekly meetings with all their active clients. So I wanted to, you know, hear a little bit more about how you guys do that. And uh, I love the 15 minute, you know, check in, like, you know, like keeping, keeping them accountable, keeping you accountable and, uh, and having that meeting pulse. I find that when you don't do that, you end up, you know, three weeks go by, four weeks go by. Sometimes you kind yeah. of just, you're like, oh man, we're behind on that project. I don't want to call that client. Like six weeks go by. I mean, I think, you know, it happens, you know, like all of a sudden you're like off the, you know, the, the train runs late and then the train runs like really late. <laughs> really late. And before we could get away with it because it was, we didn't have to, we'd send something in the mail and then FedEx came and we had at least till night. And now with email, you can't say, well, I'll get, I'm, I'm working on it, but I'll send it in the mail tonight. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another thing we started doing is, so we have some organizations that have big sales teams and the sales teams want to update on the website so they know when it's coming out and stuff. So we started using a program called Loom. And with Loom, we just go through and show the whole website and do a, like just a little mini class. And this is what we're doing here. And we show them and we're moving around. Then we send it out to all the salespeople, all the sell, or all the executives or whoever's in there. We might have five or six. They can't get on a phone call at once. They all send their comments at once. And then we don't get so far down the line. And someone says, well, now Joe Bob wants to change this. Well, where was Joe Bob a week, you know, three weeks ago when we started this? Oh, well, he was, you know, somewhere else in the United States. And now we can keep everybody on the same page and it just saves for a lot of rework. That's awesome. Well, Roland, we've talked about a lot of different stuff uh, with uh, over your your 35-year history in business, which I just want to commend you for as well. I think you've learned some truths about business and about agency ownership and about how to overcome uh, challenge and adversity and uh, and stay relevant. And, uh, and this has been really fascinating. Are you ready for our lightning round? I'm ready. Me and, me and Jim Kramer, we're ready. <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, trust your gut. So a lot of times I, I didn't, and it didn't work out. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Oh, probably my OCD because I've had OCD my whole life and I double, triple checked everything. And so I had a lot less uh, reprints and especially in the print world where you have to eat a five or $10,000. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners will find valuable? Uh, Audible. I listen to, I read as many books as humanly possible. And since I can't read real well, I listen to as many books as possible. And um, the more knowledge you have when you go into a meeting, people will eat it up and you can, and then you can bring up a book that you read. Or I even have clients that say, I read this book, I'm going to send it to you because I liked it. Speaking of books, what book would you recommend and why? I'm reading one right now called, and it's, I don't know if it's even available at Amazon. I got it online at one of these guys selling them, but it was the marketing, marketing magnet. 
that's really good. And it's wrote by a guy that did the uh, no BS social media and no BS stuff. And uh, it's a really good book and just has tons of nuggets. Just, I mean, he didn't cheat. I mean, he didn't uh, back off at all. He just loaded it up. Very cool. Well, we will link out to Marketing Magnet. We'll uh, find that and uh, make sure that's uh, up there on our show notes page. If you guys want to check that out at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're on the road or a run, you'll see some takeaways, links out to any resources or uh, nuggets that have been brought up on Roland's episode at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Roland, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Well, our website, of course, is bensondesign.com. And uh, I'm working on, uh, I've been speaking a lot and been asked a lot for um, how to recession-proof your business. So that's what I'm working on right now is because there's so many businesses that there's a lot of little things because it doesn't have to, you know, the economy's rocking right now. I mean, some of these agencies that have started never really seen a bad economy. They don't know what that's like. And it doesn't even have to be economy, but we got hit with a $30,000 lawsuit last year. And we prevailed and everything, but it cost us $30,000 and it's $30,000 that can cripple you, you know, because a bank doesn't really loan you money for a lawsuit and then losing a big client. So I really, I'm going through that. And so if they want to email me uh, just through the website or just go to Roland at BensonDesign.com, I'll be glad to uh, send that out when we get to that point of having that done. But I think that's the big thing because so many people get comfortable, they start buying I, and I don't want anybody to hold back and not build a business because they, they're worried about the economy. And that's not the reason for it. But you want to weather those things when stuff happens. So when you build your baby and it's big, you don't want to lose it all. Uh, we had a guy here in town that started about six years after I did. He hired 34 people. He had this big client. He got stuck with $300,000 worth of media because they went bankrupt and got indicted by the federal government. Uh, and he's, I don't know, he, it took him like 10 years to resolve everything. And it just killed him because he didn't, he was just so excited to cross all his T's and, you know, really look into it. Awesome. Well, I think that, uh, that was, whether it's, you know, timely for people, it, it, I mean, I guess in a, in a booming economy, like now's the time that you should be thinking about yes. how to recession prove your business, probably yeah. in the recession, uh, it might be too late to recession proof said business. So, uh, so that's definitely awesome. Uh, would love for you to share that resource with our folks and we'll, uh, we'll link out to your email with a little instruction on there to, uh, to reach out about the recession proof, uh, content and book and all that good stuff. So that's awesome, man. Thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll reach We'll, uh, we'll link out to all those good resources and stuff at our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this, the week the episode comes out, you'll see Roland's picture and the title of the episode there. Click on that guy and you will see all those great resources for you. Roland, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Hey, it was awesome. It was, I love talking about this stuff. Entrepreneurship runs in my family. I have six brothers. They own all their own companies. And so family reunions, that's all we talk about. So anytime I talk about this, I get chills and I'm just excited about it. I love what small business has done to the world. Very cool. We appreciate you sharing your story today with us. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, 
Fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.